Welcome to Masculinity Now with Arabella Tornau. I want to start this intro with a statement I heard many times along my journey. Knowledge is useless without the ability to apply it. Or, in other words, knowledge is only useful if you can embody it. I am very excited about today's podcast episode on Masculinity Now with Arabella Tornau and my guest, Ray Rolando. Ray does not only help me to continually polish my ego and supports me to embody the most authentic version of myself. He is also one of the most embodied men I know. For that and other reasons, I brought him on this show today. And I'm sure that is just the beginning of a new chapter. Ray can hear voices all his life. And it took him a lot of inner self-discovery and reflection to accept and work with his higher guidance. Ray is a medium, an energy healing practitioner, a teacher, an intuitive, a healer, and a breakthrough coach who balances the wisdom of the yogis, sadhus, and mystics with practical living in today's world. In today's episode, we will talk about Ray's backstory and how he moved through these very challenging things in his life. We are addressing karma, what karma is, when we are in karma, why we shouldn't interfere in someone else's lesson, and why our karma points us the way to our dharma. We are scratching the surface of one of my favorite topics, death and transition, and why I became emotional halfway through our call today while listening to his story. Ray points out the difference between absolute and ultimate truth and why this work will only ever take you as far as you are willing to go. If you feel a deep resonance during today's episode and want to know more about Ray and his work, you can reach out to him and his wife Colby, who runs the wellness center together, called Elevate Well, elevate-well.com, where he facilitates a call every Tuesday evening called The Road to Victory, where he and a group of very intuitive, conscious, beautiful souls dive deeper into topics like we will discuss in today's episode. You can also go to his membership website, rayrolando.com, where he puts up videos, scripts, and channeling messages and more about these topics every month. And if you choose to do the higher level membership, you have different benefits as mini workshop and breakthrough coachings on Zoom with Q&A with him and the group live via Zoom once a month, audio recordings from the group call and or live one and one 30 minutes call with Ray. You will find all information in the description box. This episode cracked my heart open even more and connected me to a deeper truth and version of myself. And I hope it does the same for you in your own unique way. Let's get right into today's episode of Masculinity Now with Arabella Tornau and my guest, friend, and teacher. Also, if he prefers to be called student teacher, but I call him teacher because that is what he is for me, <laughs> Ray Rolando. 
I wanted to start with today's episode really about like what's going on in the external world. Like we see it right now with all of the chaos that's going on, like all of the destruction, all of like people are actually like going, go, like right now while I am recording this, there is like a lot of people on the streets and they're like being like on the street and just yelling and like, and, and humping and, um, and it's so loud and it's always like this type of like, okay, what is our reflection? What do we see in the external? How can we actually like work through this? What can we do in order to, to feel calm within ourselves? But also like the deeper sense of why is it happening and why is it happening for us? And, and in regards also like, what is the meaning of what is the meaning of karma and actually like what is karma and how is it how is it all connected to our to our destiny how do we move through destiny everything like this when we um when we discussed the other day uh in our sort of i guess i would call it a pre-discussion um before we knew exactly what the topic was going to be uh, the the thought was oh ray i think the topic is going to be uh, death, mm-hmm. you know, death, dying transformation. And I said, yeah, everything, essentially everything is about that, whether people know it or not, because in death you have rebirth. And I said to you, let's just sit tight with that intention and let's see what actually comes because I have a feeling other topics and threads are going to make their way into this conversation. Karma is a big one. We could talk for months or years or lifetimes on karma alone and if you were to go into my understanding is if you were to go into the mountains of tibet right now there are llamas you know like the dalai lama there are llamas that aren't quite at the the level of the dalai lama who are studying to to move up in lifetimes who are having discussions in this moment right now about karma your karma the planet's karma the karma of the yogis sitting in the caves that are holding energy for the planet. Yes, that actually is real. And yes, it's happening every day. And most people don't know about this. Uh, their entire purpose is to sit in a cave maybe for 60 years in meditation so that volcanoes, earthquakes, and eruptions don't necessarily take place when they're not supposed to. <laughs> and without them, uh, the world would be more chaotic than it is today. Um, the good news is in truth, at least in my understanding, Nothing that I'll say today is um, nothing that I will bring today, I hope, is is spoken without experience. So I will only speak from my experience. And, and it doesn't mean I'm always right for somebody. Um, what I will tell you is right for me in any mm-hmm. given moment. And I, and I would ask anyone to consider what's right for them because that's I believe that's the only proper way um, to guide someone through what's going on in the world right now is to really find your own truth and then to not take personally someone else's because the reality is you know when those two worlds converge most people myself included have spent lifetimes judging other people for their beliefs Mm. um so instead of seeking to understand uh we we seek to control because we believe that control gives us safety and so instead of accepting someone else's reality, we often move straight into, uh, you know, judgment rather than discernment or awareness. Those are like the th- what I've understood to, to be like the three levels of consciousness. You've got judgment, discernment, and then awareness. 
and they're they're there's a fine line between discernment and awareness. Uh, discernment is better than judgment for sure. Um, judgment we're all familiar with. Judgment is judgment is how could you possibly do this, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, discernment is wow, wow. Uh, I see what you're doing. I would never do that, and I would never teach my children to do that. Um, so we got on with the shopping list. That's discernment. Mm. Awareness. Awareness is. That's interesting. <laughs> and then just moving on with your day without taking any of it personally, making it about you and putting yourself at the center of someone else's reality. The minute you do that, you're in karma with them. And karma really just from what from what I've been shown, karma is really just a set of circumstances. In other words, if you're here breathing in this dimension at this time, you're in karma. Karma is not the very thing that they talk about in books and movies to sensationalize it as being uh, karma is a bitch. It's going to come back and bite you. You know, uh, karma is good and bad and nothing and no labels. It just is. It's a conglomeration or it's the it's the alchemy of all your actions and non-actions spoken and not spoken in this lifetime and every other lifetime that is showing up for you in this moment right now. And I feel, sorry, yeah. I was just gonna say, and, and, you know, it's like, okay, what do we do with that? That's like, that's so big, Ray. Well, yes and no. When you accept that karma is unfolding, whether you think that you can control it or not, you can actually learn to accept the cycle of death that comes in every moment. Watch. That breath just died. And if we can begin to accept that more and more in every moment, then we can learn to drop labels on everything and live. So when we accept death as transitional, meaning breath to breath, uh, high school to college or university, as I suppose they say in Europe, um, or, you know, university or college to a career or one career to another or one marriage to another, one partner to another, you know, uh, my my youngest son is going to be 13 in a couple of weeks. And one way that I told someone the other day to look at it is, you know, He's never going to be 12 again. That part of his life has transitioned or died. Mm. And that part of my life as him as a 12 year old, he's going to be a teenager. So him being a preteen, it's, it's transitioning. Dying is such a powerful word because we associate one moment with it. As humans, we associate one moment with that. And that's not really the, that's not really the, at least not what the llamas are talking about in the mountains of Tibet right now in the mountains of Tibet, they're, discussing, you know, how to transition from one breath of service to the next breath of service. And still karma, when you're not aware of it, that karma is really actually like existing, you are in pain and you fear to die and you I personally like 
believe the pain that comes with when someone who we truly love dies, the devastation, like the not knowing the connection that we can have when we allow ourselves to push through our limitations. I believe this fear is so embedded or like this fear of loss or this devastating fear of pain is so embedded in our in our system, in our body, even in our tissues, that that we are, if we are not aware of it, and still also if we are aware of it, there will be times where the grief comes and wants to be integrated. And I felt this recently also like in my personal life, and I felt this also in my in the way like I'm I work with my client in regards of like really for what do we actually like run away how can we how do we run away how does it even look like to run away from from pain and sometimes it looks like a misuse of power that we see in the external sometimes it looks like in the misuse of like our internal bullshit that we're still operating from like in the lower lower chakras or lower consciousness but the minute as we become aware of what we do or we have the realization that we can actually like shift it and accept it i feel that is like true liberation but the way to that true liberation is oftentimes very very um not really easy to see let's say it like this how how do you say how how would you say that because like all what you say does resonate with me and i feel this is the most important thing to actually like we have in our humanity to feel so we actually like can say okay it does resonate with me it feels good in my body this is the truth that i feel and I would like for you to like I would like to know first of all how because I'm always interested of like of the foundation and of the upbringing and also like of the own personal realizations of one's life so how did you came to all of those wisdom but also in connection to your own personal karma mm. uh, how much time do we have today <laughs> um okay i thought this was only about one lifetime no i'm joking okay so so um <laughs> okay so wow okay the highest truth to answer that to that question i think uh, um you know look i believe the truth has a vibration so if something resonates with someone, it is because the way they perceived something being shown, taught, or said, or the way that they experienced it, the frequency at which they did, resonates as truth for them. I also understand, or have an understanding, I should say, I believe I understand, that there are two truths, uh, and I don't mean mine and yours. I mean, there is absolute truth and ultimate truth. Absolute truth 
as I've begun to understand it and that I have integrated it is your truth in any moment subject to change. That might be my favorite color. I'm Bella and my favorite color today is blue, right? That yeah. is your, that is your truth, right? Um, it looks very beautiful, by the way. It's a good color for you. <laughs> it's my, for my throat chakra. <laughs> yeah, I, I see that. That. Um, I Thank actually, you. I recently. You, you're welcome. I recently went into. Um, um, you know, I, I got asked a question by uh, my mother-in-law recently. Um, she saw me and she thought I was having a midlife crisis because she saw me with earrings. Okay. <laughs> I haven't had, you know, these are sapphires. I haven't had uh, earrings in my in my ears since I'm 22. When I went to, um, um, when I graduated college and I went to work for Fortune 500 um, America. And I was there 16 years, so I didn't have them. And about two years ago, um, I was guided to go to the color sapphire, um, indigo, uh, in that in that realm, sapphire, indigo, um, cobalt blue. Here's an ultimate truth. Cobalt blue is the highest healing vibration currently existing on this dimension. And so the reason I was called to this is because over many, many years, many lifetimes actually, but many years in this life, I learned that I could hear spirit very clearly. Mm. And there are nadis in the ears that open spiritual gateways. And so for me doing the work that I do in the world or facilitating what I facilitate, spirit does all the work. I don't do anything. I'm the door through which it occurs. I was clearly told, I've been hearing voices since, um, my 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 spiritual teacher would say since i'm knee high to a grasshopper because he's irish <laughs> right so so i've been hearing i've been hearing spirit um and beings like archangel michael for example since i'm 3 years old mm. 2 3 4 years old somewhere in that range and um that's a story in and of itself however there are certain frequencies like blue that open the throat chakra and cobalt blue that actually that's emerald blue, uh, mm -hmm. sorry, not emerald. Uh, that's like, that's like a emerald blue. <laughs> emerald would be the heart chakra, I suppose. Um, but there are colors like this blue that you're wearing that open the throat chakra. And then the deeper blues, um, are, are antenna frequencies. So mm. if you're already a listener, a hearer, they call that a clairaudient. If you can hear spirit clearly, mm. these enhance that channel. And so spirit two years ago asked me to step into another level of listening. Um, and so, um, for example, when you, when we talk about truth, absolute truth was I was not going to wear earrings for a period of time because it wasn't socially acceptable in corporate America at that time, not right. nearly as accepted as it is today. And frankly, there was a hat that I had to wear in corporate that earrings didn't suit. 
so when I left corporate in 2015 to do this work that um, I am facilitating nowadays full time, um, I didn't realize that it opened the door to move back into a level of comfort with myself again. And when my ears are pierced, I am more comfortable than when they are not, at least for the time being. So what's interesting is my absolute truth was no earrings in corporate. Right. That's my father's belief. It's his father's belief. <laughs> Their belief actually was no earrings at all. You mm -hmm. know, so um, but mine was none in corporate. Right. It doesn't have a place there. So they closed. But then when I moved further and further into service, my absolute truth changed. And it was time to go in another direction. Absolute truth, I was saying, can change. Right. And and so earrings versus no earrings that 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 could be one version of absolute truth or my favorite color is blue no my favorite color is red however there's also something called ultimate truth spiritual universal truth that you cannot change regardless of what your absolute truth is in any moment for example archangel michael exists whether you believe that or not will not change that ultimate truth and so when someone like me says that to somebody else, whether it's you or someone that comes to me for service, and I become more discerning in who I will say things like that to, because, you know, in the past, you say something like that, and people go running for the hills. Hmm. Um, unless you're talking to somebody who is vibrating or resonating at that level. Hmm. And when you validate it for them, they already know it. But when you validate it for them, their truth blossoms and booms and grows and an aspect of them moves if you want to say closer and closer to god we think of god like this and the reason we think of god like this is because when we think of god often we do this hmm. we look up and really what we're doing is we're focusing to the pineal gland here which is back here <laughs> but this is the access point for the for the third eye is the access point for the pineal gland and so we're making a triangle between the eyes and the eye, right? And that triangle or that spearhead is manifesting me unified with creator energy again. Not that God exists in the clouds unless you believe that he or she does or it does. It can, depending on what reality you want to project and what truth, what absolute truth you're resonating at. My absolute truth and I'll get into answering how I got to this, meaning how I arrived at these teachings, right, in a moment. But my absolute truth is that God is in everywhere and everything. It's in everywhere and everything. It's in us. It is us. We are God incarnate. I am not sitting here saying I am God incarnate. I am saying we are all God incarnate because we are all created as we're taught anyway in the image and likeness of the creator. So how could we not be God incarnate? It's more likely we just don't know it yet. And so because we because we have some perhaps, perhaps augmented belief about what God is because somebody told us this is how it is, and then we accepted some version of that, perhaps we lost connection to source to say what God really is. And I think God is probably the best and worst parts of us that haven't had a handshake yet or a hug. Once they're unified, 
that I believe is God incarnate within us. And how I got here, I got here from what most would call a very broken home, very broken life this lifetime. I got here through enormous pain and struggle. <laughs> um, they say pain is um, a part of life. Um, suffering is a choice. It is, but not until you karmically and divinely have a moment to realize that suffering is a choice until something else points it out for you. And I would say that that is a divine intervention moment. So most people believe pain and suffering are one and the same. When in fact, pain, you stub your toe, you're in pain. <laughs> it hurts. You know, if you cut your finger, you're, you're in pain. Suffering is really the choice between when the pain occurs and how long you're going to spend focusing on it. Mm. And so, and so long story, very short, I had what a lot of people would say uh, was a very difficult childhood. That's how perhaps psychologists, psychotherapists would deem my upbringing and my background. My parents uh, were married. I was an only child from that marriage. Uh, I believe I, I was just under three years old when they separated. I was approximately four and a half when they divorced. Um, I was living between their two homes over many years. And they each found partners again. They each got remarried. They each had children, but not until I was 11. My father had one more child. My mother had two other children. So when I was 11, almost 11, 10 and a half, my father had my first half brother. And when I was uh, 14, my mother had my second half brother. And when I was 16 and a half, my brother, my mother had my third half brother. So I have three half brothers, um, one of whom shares the same father and two of whom share the same mother. And I was living between two households. And so one of those households, uh, was very extraordinarily, um, I would say they each learned codependence and they were codependent. So when one partner would suffer, the other partner would suffer. There's no chance that if one partner was suffering, the household would be okay. They both were suffering. If one was in bliss, they were both in bliss. And then the household was up. In the other household, there was a lot of love and fun and, and enjoyment, but there was so much brokenness that there was a lot of violence. And, and as an only child, witnessing this violence and then bouncing back and forth between the two households, there was a lot of confusion for me. Where I belonged, who I was, and I learned because I could hear this benevolent love that I would share with people just walking over to them and putting a hand on a shoulder maybe when i was three or four years old and saying it's okay it's okay <laughs> i learned to uphold people and be the bridge of truth without even knowing it meanwhile my humanness wasn't being dealt with i was repressing the human aspects while being the bridge for others mm -hmm. and so i repri learned the process of repression so much that I started to have serious physical issues in my body and I developed chronic pain. And during that, during that time of developing chronic pain, which really started around the age of 10, 11 years old, I had my first spinal surgery at 13. Uh, it was major reconstructive spinal surgery. Um, 
it was the first time that my mother and father were in the same room and I saw them actually kiss my father, kiss my mother on the cheek because I was in the ICU recovering. And I had this, this, this thought hit me a few years ago, maybe seven, eight years ago, maybe even a decade ago at this point. Oh my God, I had that surgery just to see my parents kiss. I had never mm -hmm. seen that, not in my conscious mind because they divorced when I was so young. But really, I wanted to be bigger than my mother so she would stop abusing me. So when I was, um, when I was, I want to say I was about 12 and a half years old, uh, right around the time that a major uh, tragedy occurred in my father's wife's family where there was a triple homicide. Um, uh, it was at that time that I began, uh, the triple homicide occurred because my aunt through marriage she killed her husband and her two children that were three and five. Oh. And she did this because she was schizophrenic and she had a mm -hmm. schizoid, what they call a schizoid break. She had a complete meltdown. And, um, and I was walking with her and her two kids the week before this happened, the week before Christmas in 1988. And she took me to a statue of mother Mary and she, she was very strange. It was the very, it was weird. We were walking the dogs and it was the only time I'd ever been out with her ever. So when this occurred and I knew that I heard voices, I heard God's voice my entire life. I felt very guilty for a long time that I couldn't have stopped what actually took place. Hmm. And the reason that I couldn't stop it was karmic. I wasn't supposed to. And, and this, this may sound harsh. I may sound like I'm being harsh to my younger self, but it was very egotistical of me to think that I should have stopped their path. Mm -hmm. Because on a human level, that's very painful. It's very painful to, for anyone to have this experience. My, my stepmother to have the experience of losing her brother, her older brother and her, two, her only two nephews, literally the only two that would ever come gone the family name gone with that with that experience right very painful but for me to watch it and not get the help that i needed at that time was a, a, a version of repressed pain and so while i'm being abused in one household and watching these types of things go on they got very self-absorbed in their own healing process not because they didn't love me but because what do we do? We deal with what's in front of us. That's a massive event for a 33, 35 year old family couple to have to deal with. My stepmother had MS. She had my brother while she found out she had MS. That was a major moment for them too. So there was so much distraction there. Raymond kind of got lost in the mix because he knew how to take care of himself. Hmm. And so while we were dealing with that and my mom was still beating me up during the summer between seventh and eighth grade which is about what 10 weeks between the end of june and the beginning of september i grew about seven and a half inches so in a 10-week period every week i was growing three quarters of an inch <laughs> for 10 weeks so i left school and i was five foot three i was that was an average seventh grade boy and then I go back in September 1st and I go back around Labor Day, right after Labor Day to, to Catholic school, which is where I was going to school. And I was almost five foot 11. I was nearly six foot tall. And all the teachers were like, what happened to you? And it was within a year of that, 
13 to 14 years old that they developed, I developed and they found out that I had a bone tumor on my spine. Wow. And I didn't, I didn't know until about 15 years ago that my parents didn't know that it was not cancer until mm-hmm. the surgery, which we, at the time you had to wait for a surgery, like four or five months when you first, you know, find out that you have something, they do all the testing, they do the prep work, you meet with doctors, you meet with experts, you go to the city, you go all over the place. And eventually you land on a decision. You're going to have the surgery, which for me at 13 years old, I didn't realize just how serious it was. And, um, the doctors originally thought that that surgery was going to be three hours and it was nine. And, um, and my parents didn't know that I didn't have cancer until they sent what they took out of me to the lab for testing. So you can see, maybe you hear some of like the themes here of me being kind of lost in the mix, me not dealing with my emotions and my feelings, me wanting to be bigger than my mother. So no one loved me more than her, but nobody abused me more than her. So it was a very, very confusing experience living in a scenario like that where, you know, she would tell me that she unconditionally loved me, but she was also very abusive physically and emotionally, more emotionally and verbally than anything else, but physically also she, she beat me. Um, and so she herself was sick and needed help and she didn't get it. And she wasn't even diagnosed until a year and a half before she passed away. And she passed away in a dental chair. She was 43 years old. She went to the dentist. She had two younger boys that were seven and 10 at the time. And she didn't come home. And I was 23 years old. And that was for me, the final straw, because I was about to approach her and say, Hey, you know, that thing called my childhood, what was that about? (laughs) And she left eight months after I married my first wife. And so this is just the cliff notes version of, you know, Ray's life and, and, and whatever. And if you you see me smiling, it's not because I'm, um, uh, you know, uh, uh, sociopath, <laughs> like I'm dealing with these things and I'm not actually dealing with them. And I think it's funny. It's because I, I had this huge karmic setup. for a major moment of breakthrough when I met the spiritual teacher that cracked me open. And as a result of, of meeting this being, this person, my whole life, what I thought was my life was shown to me to be a projection of my interpretations of what I thought occurred. And this is where individual realities come into play. So my parents that went through the same experiences with me would have a different story to tell you. That's called their reality. (laughs) And so where those two realities overlap, in my opinion, is called a third reality. So this is where the multiverse comes into play. This is where parallel universes come into play. Because I still exist despite my parents and they still exist despite me and they have their beliefs and I have mine. Those are two separate realities. And then there's a third one where we overlap. And if I'm with my father and my stepmother and me, there's three realities that are overlapping, creating a fourth. When my stepmother walks out of the room and it's me and my father, it's just two realities creating a third. 
And so this is constantly occurring as we walk in and out of each other's realities. Mm -hmm. And as someone walks out of a kitchen into the other room, that moment has just died. Mm -hmm. And so meeting this spiritual teacher, they say that you, you cannot meet, um, there are, there are teachers and then there is the teacher. It's sort of like absolute truth and ultimate truth. Mm -hmm. One, you know, one can change, the other cannot. The teacher embodies God consciousness. So it's one thing to teach someone something. It's another thing to teach someone something while embodying God consciousness because you have integrated all of your misperceptions as perfection. And so they say that when we have the divine grace to meet the teacher through a being, did he just say his teacher isn't the being? His teacher is the, the teacher is consciousness itself. When a being is integrated enough, they can channel consciousness itself, which is the teacher, which is constantly evolving as we are. And so when you, they say that when you have the grace to meet the teacher, it can only occur by divine intervention. And so when someone else hears a story like this and they start to emote and they can <laughs> feel the vibration and they can feel the vibration of truth, it's because something in them understands that truth, whether they can convey it to another person or not, they can feel it. And so the short answer to your question is how I made it here was through a lot of pain and suffering and a lot of confusion. <laughs> <laughs> and and an enormous and an enormous amount of struggle, which you and I talked about the other day, was the teacher putting me through oops, you know, the washing machine. I think I said to you the other day. So every once in a while, he'd check on me and be like, "Ray, how's it going? Is the universe still kicking the shit out of you?" And I'm like, "Yes." And he's like, "Congratulations!" And he'd send me right back into the washing machine again, you know. And then when the washing machine was finished, he put me right in the tumble dry. So it was. It's like um. It's like semi-precious gemstones that go through the tumbler and you can polish the rocks. <laughs> That's what he was doing to me because we, I believe, we develop, we develop our egos and its stories, good, bad, or indifferent, based mm. on the experiences that we've had. And so when you've had enough bad experiences, you're going to develop a protection mechanism that makes sure that you know you're always right mm -hmm. to prevent from ever being wronged. So his biggest job with me when he and I met was breaking down my ego and tearing it down one block at a time. And he loved me enough to let me project all over him for years because I'd be like, that's horrible. How could you possibly say this to me? And it was because he was reflecting to me what I thought about myself. I, okay, so thank you, first of all, for, um, you know, opening your heart and letting us know 
you know, your foundation and also talking about your childhood and also talking about like in such a very inspiring and very conscious and very um, admiring space because I I feel the truth that you that you are broadcasting out and that does not come with also a lot of pain and releasing suffering and of course during this process we understand more the complex of pain and suffering and every time when i i, I tell you that um you know that um i really really respect you and i i find it just really an awe like the process that you that you just built like in the last couple of years from childhood until now you always say you always you are always so humble about it you're always so so humble about it in a way of like um yeah but this is just this is just me and this is just god speaking and it's just like what i am like bringing toward into this world and for me it is like yes that's totally correct but you need to reach a certain stage in your own personal evolution that you are dismantling everything and you just need to let god like talk through you and that is not easy because we are so embedded with like different kinds of blockages in our being different kinds of blockages in our in our self-worth in our feeling of like being good enough in our feeling of like you 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 mentioned it in the in the um, when you were talking about your mother yeah like this this very cognitive dis um, dissonance feeling of like well she tells me that she unconditionally loves me but on the same hand she abused me so what is actually love for me like what is my identity with it and i'm pretty sure and maybe you can also um reflect this back to me but also like the stages of how you actually like needed to understand what truly love is what unconditional love really means and also like practicing detachment practicing detachment also with your previous relationship dynamics probably with like um women in your life with like attachment with egotistical approaches um detachment probably also with your mother and um i'm wondering how how this practicing of detachment and what like worked for you and what truly love means for you in regards to the conditional love that you experienced and also the unconditional love that you experienced vice versa yeah so okay That's a big one. You know, um, I think for me, there is absolutely no doubt that when you have, and of course, I, I gave you the abridged version of Ray's life. You know, I gave you some of the monument points that mm. are monument, meaning, you know, monumental. They, they, are, they are tags, labels in Ray's life that were um uh some of the, the most filled with um emotion right your mother passing away in a dental chair when she goes to the doctor is not very 
I kind of glossed over that, you know, it sounds like I'm, I'm almost without emotion with regard to that. Um, not at all. Um, I, I miss her every day, every single day, but I've learned on the human side, I miss her every day, mm. but I've learned that you cannot miss what's in your heart. Mm. And so if you, if you, and it takes work, I mean, to embody these things, it's one thing to talk about them, you mm. know, I'm still, I believe I, I am still working on embodying these truths that I'm sharing with you. I, I believe it's an ever evolving process. I don't believe that enlightenment is a destination. Mm. It's a journey. Uh, accepting, accepting that journey, I think is a version of enlightenment. <laughs> I think that when we can accept that enlightenment is a journey and that God itself or him or herself is always evolving because we are evolving and we're all connected in that web, that itself is a form of enlightenment. And if you've ever even had thoughts about any of these things, it's a form of enlightenment. You know, so enlightenment isn't just, you know, um, and levitating, you know, or being able to <laughs> or manifests I, I listen I, I I have seen I have seen people do this and objects come out of the center of their palms wow. in front of my face I've seen money come out of the middle of a glass <laughs> I've seen well I've been told that the same beings I've seen doing these things have brought beings back to life friend of mine was actually brought back to life haven't told you that story no i wanted to say like i know about a about a animal the story is Rabbit. new for me yes the story is yes. new for me can you can you explain this a little bit further before we move on because there's like a big topic that i also want to hit home but this is why right now something i can't just leave it unquestioned which which part What do you mean? You saw like someone actually like a friend of yours rebirthing? No, so I no. Uh, my friend told me told that me. okay uh, told me that they were they were in, in Brazil mm -hmm. and they were dying um, of uh, actually. I have two friends. Um, equally, they're equally as close to me. They're more acquaintances than they are friends of mine. Okay. But they're here in my heart. They're deeply connected to me. Okay. In a, in a very profound way. I just don't talk to them very often. And I've only ever seen them in this lifetime. 10 or 12 times each, yeah. but I've had conversations with them where I remember knowing them profoundly in past lives. Mm. One of that, they were both together in Brazil. Now I've never sat down and talked to both of them at the same time. They were, they were together in Brazil. I believe that's where they met in this lifetime. They were on another spiritual retreat and one of them was dying of a, um, an illness, a disease. I say disease, right? Uh, as opposed to disease. Um, so different vibration, actually, disease versus disease. So I just wanted to jump in right now. This is also really like, I love this 
teaching from you and I'm so mindful right now every time when I say it it's really like it's not I am sick my body is sick and like even yeah. like you you picked it up with the vibration and you even say this our words are so powerful and our like the energy behind us is what actually like really um really attracts or pushes away everything that we believe it's um it's meant for us so i just wanted to just wanted to say this really quick because every time now when i'm like having a little something i'm really aware of like my body is sick it's not me i i am okay i am abundant my body is sick right now do you know you may have to edit this out okay this might just be for you and i i'm not sure if you get away with this or not yeah but when i started changing my perceptions from something is happening to me, but rather for me, mm. right? I started to notice things like this. Okay, first of all, the fact that they would bottle water and sell it to me is hilarious. Soon it'll be oxygen in a can, okay? <laughs> and when you look at this, we all know a, a certain name that we see here, okay? I'm not gonna say that name because it's advertising, okay? Mm -hmm. But mm -hmm. when you look at it in a mirror, what do you see? <laughs> wow. How naive can we be to actually purchase water in a bottle? Oh. That's why I drink this brand. Wow. Because I'm sending energy back into this system yeah. to say, let's disrupt the system. Because you asked me about at the very beginning of the call, which we're going to get into in a minute, but yeah. Uh, I forget, I forget the, the leg that we were just on a minute. Oh, oh yeah, the, the, the Brazil thing. So death and dying. And what's more important about that is one of them was dying of a disease. And then their heart stopped. And my understanding, as told to me by the other friend, is that an energy came in and literally brought him back. He was dead. And that energy that brought him back was a, a being, a teacher, that the dead person saw in the moment of their last breath that brought them from Brazil to the teacher. <laughs> and effectively, the way they described this event, um, you know, at least the way I heard it. And again, this is secondhand. I've, I, I physically saw money come out of a glass. Yeah. I saw money literally produced, manifested out of a glass. Now, that might need to be edited out. You're going to have to decide because your audience might not be ready to hear that. Yeah. I don't know. You know, uh, but, the, but I, I, listen, when you see it this close to your face and there's a hand here, and literally money just comes straight out of the glass and the head of the Guinness mm. actually got smaller mm. as the money was pulled out of the glass, meaning liquid matter to solid matter. Mm. So the head of the Guinness glass, the Euro is very, very close in color to the background of the Euro is very close in color paper money to the head of a Guinness. So when it was pulled out, the head of the Guinness went like this. Went from this to this. 
And I watched that money physically manifest in front of my face. And then I watched it demanifest. Ironically, you asked me at the beginning of this call, and there's two things that I need to link together. Mm-hmm. And then this big topic that you want to get into, right? So the, the two things, number one, Ray, can you talk about, you said to me earlier, I'd, I'd like to, for you to talk today about how, what's going on in our crazy world and then the, and the destruction it's actually deconstruction. Okay. We have been programmed to believe one way for so many thousands of years. And we've been caught in our five senses with these, these, this, these, and this. We've been caught in our five senses believing that that's all that there is. Being taught that religion teaches that that's the only way to the sixth sense, which is trust. No, it isn't. It's not. It's not. Trust is not the sixth sense. Trust is an emotion. It's a feeling and it's and it's a state of being. That something greater is taking place, whether we can see, hear, taste, smell or not. Or touch it. It took me nine years with a with a, a spiritual teacher who is awake. He's been awake since before he was born. It took me nine years of of full devotion on that journey. You know, spending money on spiritual retreats that I didn't even have for my mortgage. Okay, and and going and spending every last dime that I had, just to see the money pulled out of the Guinness glass in front of my face. Because nine years earlier, I said, I want to see a miracle. Mm. I've, damn it, I've earned the right to see this. I want to see a miracle in front of my face. I won't believe you. My mother died in a dental chair. I was angry. Yeah. Show me something. Yeah. We've all, we've all been there. And at the moment, I least expected it. In an Irish dive bar, a hole in the wall bar, I... I, I literally, he's teaching a lesson to someone I was standing with. And he says, Ray, come here a second. Like, like when I, and he just pulled it straight out of the glass in front of my face. And I melted. Mm. Something inside me, my disbelief broke. Mm. Broke. It broke. And, and it brought this forward inside my heart and if you notice this looks very familiar because from this part down is that right there Mm. that's called the prima agni or the fire of divine love unconditional love the thing my mother professed but she didn't really understand Mm. and so how did i make it to a balanced understanding of of what love is a lot of trial and error, a lot of mistakes, mm-hmm. you know, you know, uh, scene 47, take 86, you know, like that kind of thing in Hollywood when they're, they're doing take 87. I made a lot of mistakes and a lot of issues in order to get, you know, what you perceive as me on the other end of this call today, as we'll just call it as integrated as I am in this moment, subject mm-hmm. to change. The more I do, 
But I want you to know something. I had to live a life that was somebody else's version of my life for 33 years before I began to empower myself to realize that all the things I'd been told, I was being the good boy and doing what everybody else said you should do. You should go to, you should go to school, you should get good grades, you should go to college, you should not start your own business. That's what my father said. You should work for the man so that you don't have to bring it home with you every day. I'm like, but you love bringing it home with you. As much as he was on the couch and he was doing his own research and the job and my father worked for himself, as much as he was doing that, I would, I would look at him and be like, you're on the couch doing this and you say it prevents you from mowing the lawn, so I have to do it. You say it prevents you from being to, to lunch or dinner on time, but the reality is you love doing it. It's an excuse because you feel bad not showing up to mow the lawn so you're telling me to go and work for somebody else because I shouldn't work for myself. Because you have some story, Dad, that you're doing something bad by being happy about serving your customers by doing research on a weekend. All stories. And so because I love my dad and because he was my superhero that we put on pedestals, we all do that with our parents until we learn to eventually see them as humans, not as people, caped crusaders, you know? So because I loved him, I went to a, a good college, a business school. I graduated with honors, whatever that means, <laughs> in, a, in, a very, in a very difficult program. When he would call me on the weekends, he'd ask me, are you going out with your friends tonight? And I said, no, I'm studying. And then I went into that corporate world and for a year, I would call him from the men's room outside of the room that I was working in, in an open layout in cubicles. I'd leave every morning, go to, go to the bathroom, call him from my Nokia cell phone and tell him I hated being there. Mm. And every day he'd say, Raymond, you can do this. It's an adjustment. It's a huge adjustment. I literally talked to him four days a week for like eight months. Just about this every morning, 730 in the morning. <laughs> and he would talk me off a ledge. I love my dad. We don't always see eye to eye. And sometimes we need time apart so that I can integrate more of who I am rather than believing that I'm a part of his shadow. Mm. And so I had to step into corporate. And from the day I stepped in, I knew it wasn't for me. But that was my ego story. It absolutely was for me. I needed to be there 16 years so I could see how it operated. I was very good at it. Uh, I did very well there and I had to, I had to get to a place within me where I knew it was time that I had done my time there in the cell <laughs> in prison, uh, even though I was making good money to step away and, and, and then help people that either choose to stay there, but know that it's just the illusion of a hamster wheel and that there's more to life or or help people make the same trans transition I did with a little less fear, because mine was terrifying. And to be clear, my transition was, we didn't talk about really, you know, um, what it is that others perceive I do, I guess, but I, I know that you're, you've done some kind of intro for this that your, your audience will hear, but I will say this, I've been hearing voices all my life. I mm -hmm. thought I was actually 
multi-personality. I didn't understand that it was Archangel Michael talking to me until I went through a lot of trial and error. And I learned I was hearing clear guidance because I started knowing things about people that I shouldn't have known. So when my son had to go to daycare when he was 10 months old and we were coming off the highway and we were coming to a three-way intersection, these two ways and the way that we were driving, it was a T. And I heard a voice say, look up now. I learned it was Archangel Michael and I looked uh, as I, I was just driving and I look up and I see someone barreling through the intersection that would have literally instantly killed my son and probably me because they missed the red light because they were staring into the sun. And so I'm making a, a, a left turn here in the States when you're making a left turn, it's unprotected, mm -hmm. right? On the other side of the road, you make a right turn, it's unprotected. But in the States, you make a left turn and it's unprotected and someone barreled through the intersection and they would have demolished us. And there was another time when Archangel Michael, I was going around a turn on the New York State Thruway through the toll booth at like six in the morning going to work. And it was winter time and I went around this turn and the car slid sideways. I, I literally slid sideways. So my car was going across two and a half lanes of traffic. And he said to me, let me take the wheel. Literally said, let me take the wheel. But it was, let me take the wheel. It was very specific. And I just went like this. The car straightened and he moved the car in the slow lane in front of me. He moved it forward. And the car behind me that was too close to me, he moved it backwards. And he straightened my wheel. And all of a sudden he said, here you go. And he handed the wheel back to me and I'm just driving. My car literally was going off the road. Mm. So when you start having experiences like that, while you're reawakening, you've met a teacher, they're teaching you the way, the path, and they're reminding you that everything is a reflection of your own perception and your own consciousness. And then you see a vision in your house of how your basement is supposed to be laid out for clients and you see a very visceral picture of what's supposed to take place and you go upstairs and you tell your first wife i think i'm supposed to build the healing center in the basement and then my father is my first client you know seven months later and then mm -hmm. some 300 people show up to my house without advertising for readings and reiki and things like this this is the path that i started to go down yeah. and it was a very very powerful transition from I went with someone to a reading a psychic medium reading for them and for 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 me and us I guess but I went to support them and about 45 minutes into that reading which was an hour the medium turned to me and she went like this and she looked right at me and she went so Ray mother's side of the family late 40s brown hair five foot six extraordinary head trauma oh my god it's your mother your mother died of head trauma at 46 years old and then i look up and my mother is sitting in front of me oh. that does something to you it wasn't something i made up my mother was there again it was the wish that i had had what is she doing here yeah and i mean every line in her face at 30 years old, she was sitting in front of me again. She died at 43 
and she became a different person because she was on medications. She had chronic migraine headaches. That's the head trauma that the medium was seeing. And, uh, and when your mother's looking back at you and then she starts telling you all about the wrongful death case that my stepfather has taken to court and all it's basically like she's telling me about, you know, oh, you hid this thing in your sock drawer, Raymond. <laughs> it's like that kind of detail she's giving me about what's going on. And she flat out tells me, you know how you took your, you're threatening to take your stepfather to court because he's not honoring you with the, uh, with the, the money that you should all be receiving from this million dollar lawsuit that's going on. Mm. I would have split it four ways between my four boys, your two brothers, yourself, and my husband. And that's mm. what I was telling him. So she said, if he doesn't let up, neither do you. Threaten to sue him, countersue him for a proper payout. And then she said, any other questions for me? And I said, yeah, when does this physical pain stop? Mm. And she went, oh, honey, when you decide that it does. That pissed me off for about 13 years. And then I started to understand nothing happens to us. It happens for us while I'm in corporate, while I've got this healing center and I'm doing both at the same time and I'm starting to see clients, my client list is growing. I started doing readings because I went to a crystal shop in tower, uh, sorry, um, a spiritual shop in town. And I was bringing crystals there to sell to her because <laughs> I figured she could sell them. And when I was there, I gave her a psychic medium reading and she said, nothing is landing, but let me talk to my mother. She's one generation above me. Mm. A week later, I go back and I bring her her crystals. And she said, oh my God, everything that you said was spot on. The names, the looks on their faces, their jackets, their hats, their cigars, what the cigars smelled like. Those are my mother's aunts and uncles. And she said, my my friend was blown away at the level of detail that my mother was telling me based on what I had written down that you told me that she's coming to see you Saturday morning at 9 a.m. I said, for what? And she said, for a reading. I said, I don't do this professionally. She goes, you do now. She'll see you at 9 a.m. and you charge $60 an hour. That's how I started in this work. So readings and channelings and, and energy healing. When I went for Reiki training and I had my first spiritual teacher who had major egoic issues, major ego problems that eventually dropped Derek's name to me. Derek O'Neill is my teacher. And this first teacher dropped his name and his purpose was to get me to Derek, which he had a very hard time with, by the way, he had a very hard time letting go of his own ego to let the student go to the actual teacher. Right. And so and so that's how I got to this place where you and I are doing this because uh, then at some stage you found out that I work one-on-one -on -one with people, I work in groups, I do retreats, uh, and I do uh, written channels, I do readings for people, I channel healings and energy, energy uh, facilitate energy healings for people. But that's how I got into this and it was a long journey of self-discovery and not loving myself enough, lack of self-worth, um, you know, things that I don't wish on anybody, but you basically, it's baptism by fire. You've got to go through these things to overcome them at mm -hmm. some point in some lifetime.
because my understanding is that eventually every soul must come on this exact same journey that I'm on. Not necessarily with the same teacher, but the same journey. And so it's been a long path just to get here. And I've got, I've got a lot of work to do still. So I don't, I hope that anybody hearing or watching this doesn't look at this and go, I'll never get there. I've, if I can get here, you can get beyond here. I was lost and I was suffering and I had no idea. And I put a challenge to God six months before, six months before I met the teacher, I said, or maybe a year, I said, now that my mother's gone, I'm going to leave too. So you either send someone here right now who can show me the way forward. Cause I know this is all a joke. I, I the way we've been taught, something's not right. Something's up. You either send someone to me or I'm leaving too. And then if you think that my light has some kind of influence in the world, you're going to lose that, that light because I can't do this anymore without proper guidance. And that's how careful what you wish for. That's how I got the tumble dry. So that's how this whole thing has unfolded. And that's how you and I are here today. And, and, uh, um, you know, the work that you're doing in the world, Bella is so important because you're a connector, you're a bright light and you are the throat shocker for humanity when humanity cannot speak for itself, you know? And so all the work that you do with men and women, it's it's helping them to get to the place where eventually they realize they have a chance to be on a path like this to fully awaken and that i think is the greatest service in fact the greatest service you can do in the world is letting somebody project on you <laughs> they're good bad or indifferent is the greatest service you know why because without trying to change or influence them and let them be where they are with whatever they believe keeps them safe until they're ready to step forward so i think I think this light is dying over here. Yeah, it is. <laughs> well, so there's always, think, always a dying. There's, a, <laughs> there's always. <laughs> <laughs> it's in our hands. Yeah. It's in our hands. It's in our hands. So anyway, so, so yeah, I think that, um, forgive me for the lighting. I'm sorry. I lost the, I lost the light, but actually I have a way to fix it. I'll get it back for us. But um, I was going to say that, you know, I, I do think that it's easy to see somebody like me on screen and think, oh, you know, wow, I don't imagine I'm going to get to be very integrated very soon the way that he is. I, I'm, I'm, no, I'm no different than you are. I just, I made a decision at some stage around, I'm 46 now, just a couple of weeks ago. In fact, Bella and I share the same birthday. Uh, so, um, so <laughs> I... <laughs> I shared, I shared a birth. I haven't met very many people in my lifetime who share my same birthday. And I joke with Bella because my birthday, our birthday is June 30th. I joke that everything expires, you know, offer valid through, you know, June 30th, 2023, everything expires on our birthday. But I learned a few years ago that, yeah, but everything births on our birthday. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and that's, that was the biggest uh, change for me was realizing, I don't know if that makes a difference. We'll see. It does a little bit. I can see it. I can cool. see it. So yeah. So, so 
I hope so far that this isn't too much for your audience. I hope that this is maybe just right, but, uh, and I hope that it's approachable. I hope that it's, you know, something people believe whatever they're looking at is whatever they're hearing is shifting something in them. Because frankly, I believe you and I were put here for the same reason, you know, to be reflections to people that if they want to walk into something, a, a greater version of themselves, that we're that we're here to be the mirror that says you can do it yeah and my intention is with those conversations especially to really bring bring not only awareness but also to emphasize with the person who i'm interviewing because in the end of the day when we really believe and trust that everything in this is in a reflection that everything in the universe is a mirror like we talked two days ago about the fact that on one point if someone is robbing us and we will just say like okay what does god wants me to know why is it coming up right now thank you for coming for 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 being here right now if we just like i mean if we just have the courage to also change our perspective out of how we view different things and like what you said about like this is happening through me and to me not like this is happening through me and for me not to me it is actually like really liberating the pain and of course like grief we need to feel and my intention is to really combine the spiritual wisdom and to also understand it like in our humanity like how can we actually like really when we are in a in a midst of a of a drama when we're in midst of conflict when we're in midst of like pain how can we actually like um soothe ourselves how can we actually like be the light for ourselves how can we feel the grief to release it in order to really like find the bright side with like find the bright side within and also like in the external and the one reason i also um brought you on and i'm pretty sure we will see each other like more than this episode because there is like a lot of things to still uncover where i really want to where I have some questions where I also feel it would be really beneficial to get into those questions more in depth. But it was really important for me today to actually like give an explanation of who you are and why your wisdom can help and support so many people because your wisdom help and support me and especially also on my journey. And yes, I know I do it for me on my own, But, you know, like, sometimes it's good because six eyes see more than three eyes. And mm. sometimes it's also really good to have someone who went through error and trial because this person knows the way out into the light. And, and this is beautiful. And especially, like, having a deeper understanding of the origin of spirituality and not what you call like the 4D dimension and like everything like ayahuasca ceremonies or like doing like those type of past life things and everything is still existing, of course. But on one point there is something and it, especially it was for me, there was one thing more calling 
and it was my heart and it was the truth and it was like something that helps me to liberate myself and it just gives me peace and i think this is spirituality for me it gives me peace and an understanding when i'm in the midst of conflict i know that it's right now happening for me and i have the knowledge why what why is it happening for me and i can connect dots and i can see clearer and i feel it would help and support many people on their path as well yeah i i i would agree with you that i i don't think that today is our last meeting like this um there was a topic that you wanted to get into and i know it's a big topic yeah um perhaps we could um broach it for a minute just see if mm -hmm. uh, you want to ask a specific question and what we could potentially do here is we could give an answer some sort of answer to the questions or the question the topic so as to maybe plant a seed and set up our next discussion mm -hmm. does that sound okay that sounds beautiful I actually, okay. because I know it's very interesting how certain things are coming through and setting it up. And it's very important to also stay flexible and to stay open um, to approach this conversation, but also further conversation with an open heart, but also know that we are always guided when we, when we allow it and don't stay in our own internal way. And what I mean by that is what recently came up in my life, in the, in my, in the lives of my clients, in the life of really close friends. Um, grief came up to the surface, ending of karmic cycles came up to the surface, letting go of relationship dynamics, realizing unhealthy patterns, realizing unhealthy behaviors, um, things coming more clearer to the surface, connecting dots, um, devastating feeling arising, like chaos. And I personally find it very liberating to go into the topic of death in a more specific and in a more in-depth way because in the end of the day what i found out in my personal life everything is connected to the source of what we don't want to feel whatever if it's coming and manifested and like misusing power, whatever it comes manifesting and being attached, being codependent, being lying, deception, whatsoever. In the end of the day, it connects to the emotion and to the illusion of fear, but it's still very, it's still very real, I feel, in our human, human, human mind, in our human reality. So fear and loss and the death of like the death of something, the death of a lost, like a loved one, the death of our own identity, the death of ourself um, can manifest in anxiety, panic attacks, depression, whatsoever, you name it. But if we combine karma and death together, 
and also understanding what is real and what is not, what is an illusion, realizing certain things. I would like to dive deeper into the topic of what is death? How can we deal with death? And do we even dying? Or is it just an illusion? Yeah, that's the big topic. Uh, it's a great, it's a great question. Um, you can't just say to anybody, death is an illusion because, you know, uh, they're going to be like, oh, it's an illusion, is it? So when my mother died in a dental chair, you know, when exactly. I was 23 years old, you know, uh, that was just an illusion. I didn't actually experience the loss of that. No, no, no. That's not what we mean by death is an illusion. Um, mm -hmm. The idea and the ideals around death are misunderstood. Mm -hmm. For example, Albert Einstein said that once energy is created, it cannot be destroyed. Right? So if it cannot be destroyed, it can only change forms. Because we're so attached to the five senses, and because the human mind, as long as we're not um, um, sociopathic or, or psychotic, okay, as long as those two things are not occurring, generally speaking, every human is wired in the mind the same way. So the material world, once it is reflected to us, we buy into it with the five senses of sight, touch, taste, smell, and sound. So every time I say the five senses, I always worry that I've repeated one of them and left one of them out, you know? Um, anyway, uh, something I'm working on apparently. Okay. So, um, so what I would like to introduce to your audience would be maybe, or what spirit would like me to introduce to your audience would maybe be transition mm. rather than death, right? Okay. So using the same example here of this bottle of water, when I drink this water, as long as my body is functioning to some degree, the way it's supposed to. And even if it's not, if I were to die, this water would leak out of my body one way or another. Okay. So later on, we understand we go to the restroom. <laughs> this water will eventually move through my body. Okay. Mm. Where? Into a receptacle. Okay. That's where it's going to go. Then we flush the receptacle. <laughs> and where does that go? It's going to go into a waistline somewhere which eventually either makes it back to the ground or back to an ocean. And someone might say, oh, but it's gone. You drank it. It's gone. No, no, it's not. It's on its journey. And then at some stage, it might be in an ocean. And as we know, ocean, ocean water evaporates, goes into the clouds, and then it rains. So this bottle of water technically has been recycled how many times before 
I actually drink it and cleansed before I actually drink it from that from the Alps, the French Alps. Okay? This water never disappears and it never changes. It's either groundwater or ocean or river water again. And eventually it'll be evaporated into a cloud, travel over the French Alps and get bottled into something like this again. And so it's ironic that we think we drink it, it's gone. That's just the story that we're telling ourselves. Just because it's a story doesn't make it true. And so similarly, the illusion that we have bought into is bigger house, better fortress, better protection, we will never die. This body will never die. Mm. That's not true. We come into this world naked with nothing. And we leave this world essentially naked with nothing except the love that we have either emitted or received or both that grows our heart and our spirit into its journey in transition from the physical 3D world into the fourth dimension of the astral plane when we cross, when we when we physically drop our physical form, which by the way, during which process, the elements crash into one another. So the, the, the four elements, or the five elements really, of fire, water, air, and earth, and ether, they they crash into each other over if if we die over the you know a natural death each of those elements will crash into one another over a 72 hour period so if you've ever had the privilege of being with a loved one when they're when they're crossing over like an elderly person or something when they're in the hospital the first thing that you'll notice is that the the earth element of the thumb is moving to mm. the center of the that means that within 72 hours, that person will have left the planet again. Keyword again. Okay. And so this is the earth element crashing, being destroyed. You asked me about destruction of what's going on in the world in chaos. This is the earth element being destroyed. Okay. And in every case where someone's either in hospice care at home or in a hospital, within 72 hours of their final breath on this dimension, you will see the thumb move into the center of the palm. Eventually, all the elements go. So earth crashes into fire, fire crashes into water, water crashes into air, and then the final breath. Air, it's the air element going. <laughs> and then the person is collected by the archangelic realm, their soul, Archangel Jeremiel, actually, and they are transported into the astral plane. And Archangel Jeremiel's uh, and Raphael's and Gabriel's assistance, the legion of angels, come into the room where the loved ones are of the person who's just crossed 
where you get that peacefulness in the sadness because the angelic realm is actually uplifting the humans that are left on the earth plane while Jeremiah is taking the soul back to the astral plane. So <clears throat> on the astral plane, which by the way is the same place if you're wondering, oh, astral projection, right? Yes, actually. It's also where we go in our dream state when we go to sleep every night. Okay. On the fourth dimensional plane of the astral plane, that's the realm of psychic activity. So psychic activity, what does he mean by psychic activity? Uh, you see somebody on the highway cuts you off and you call them a name. What a jerk, asshole. Something like this, right? Not because it's who they are, but because they did something that scared you and it forced you to look at maybe your mortality in that moment. And it scared you. Mm. So asshole is the story that we encapsulate around that feeling because we're not ready to deal with our mortality in that moment. Fear mm. arises. But when you call another being a name like this, tomorrow they will or later this afternoon they will be in the park riding a bicycle and that asshole statement will be a ball of energy that psychically attacks them in the fourth dimension and they will flip over the handlebars of their bicycle <laughs> that is the truth any energy that you put out there spoken or unspoken will reach its target mm. this is karma but the same is true if you were to say, oh, he's rushing possibly to his dying mother or sister or wife. I'm sending the love of compassion. You know, once you get past the fear stage of you almost died in this car accident, right? Car accident. So, uh, so one thing, one thing leads to another. And when you start to understand the manipulation or the massaging of these projections that come from us, you begin to understand the fourth dimension of the astral plane. This is also the realm of psychics, mediums, most of them who don't understand the fifth dimension yet, which is the dimension of unconditional love. So when I'm working with someone, my teacher has shown me how to go from this experience right here of 3D, which we think is 3D. Really, my intentions today were 5D and beyond. He has taught me how to go to 5D, dip into 4D, and deliver down to 3D a message. Hmm. When I'm doing a reading or when I'm facilitating a channeling or something like this for someone or healing. So when Jeremiel takes someone into the fourth dimension at the time of their transition, they get an opportunity when the clear light rises to meet their karma. And depending on how they meet their karma or refusal to meet their karma, which is often the case, because when that light rises, it is so bright, they say it is as bright as a thousand suns. And what it does is it shows you once again, you were the robbed and the robber. You were the raped 
and the rapist. You were the murdered and the murderer in all of your lifetimes. If you can accept, accept this, A-C-C-E-P-T, if you can accept this when that clear light rises, you get a chance to get off this wheel of suffering. Mm. If not, you will eventually run to one of the lights that will rise, colored lights that will arise, that will take you into one of six dimensions based on your karma. The animal realm, mm. the human realm, the hell realms, the hungry ghost realms, the god realms, or the demigod realms on this wheel. And, and, and one mm. last thing, all of that is taking place in a, up to a 48 day period. It can last on the human dimension of third dimension. It can last one, one millionth of a second in this life review on the fourth dimension, but it can last up to 48 human days. And on the 49th day, no longer than the 49th day, you must be reborn into one of those six dimensions. Must, unless you have special dispensation. I mean, this is a whole podcast episode on itself because it's so, so valuable and it's so true. But when we allow ourselves to see that, how and you said it also in, in the in the very first beginning that it was very egotistic for from you to project guilt onto you that you couldn't interfere back then to save your cousins so when we allow ourselves now to have this, put the classes on with this knowledge, and we see someone on the street, and or we see like friends, family members, actually like suffering or like going through a very challenging time, what is actually the best thing to do for them when we want to stay in unconditional love and when we actually want to love them? Awesome question. That's a fantastic question. Okay. The best thing that we can do for them is take a breath. Because the first thing that we're probably going to do if it's an untrained mind that runs wild like the wild horses that needs to be reined back in, the first thing we're going to do is imagine ourselves in that scenario and try to save ourselves which is a projection of them. Like we're projecting onto them ourselves and how we would feel in that moment. Mm -hmm. So the best thing to do is to take a breath because the breath centers ourselves and puts ourselves back in our body. If we have the wherewithal and have done at least a little bit of work or training in this area at all, one then important thing to remember on that breath is the following. And this will take us probably into our next podcast. It would be 
that if you interfere without them asking for your help, you are stripping them of the experience that they need in order to get off this wheel of suffering. Mm -hmm. They must suffer through their suffering to eventually get off the wheel. And if we take it away from them by interfering in our ego self that thinks we know better than God's plan for them, then we are interfering in their divine dharma, mm. which is their right path. If anyone had interfered in my path and had not gotten me to my teacher, I would not be sitting here with you right now and I would not be doing the work that helps other people. So if someone had saved me from my mother, mm -hmm. wouldn't be sitting here. Mm -hmm. So I had to not be saved from that and not be saved from corporate mm -hmm. in order to have the experience that would eventually polish me into this person who, in your words, has helped you in some way. And so if I had been interfered with, prevented from suffering, I, I, I wouldn't be able to do what it is it is perceived that I do. And again, I don't do anything. I know, but it's very important. It's very interesting what you said right now in regards also to your mother. Um, now, while looking at your life and on the whole perspective of karma and the first breath that we take in our world, in, our, in this reality, we are in karma. And I also believe before we come here, we pick our circumstances. We pick like, what do we want to actually like learn? And what do we actually like, who is our family members? What error on trials are we actually like doing um, before we come to our path of Dharma? So I'm wondering in this context, what did you learn from the contract that you and your mother created? Or what was the contract that you and your mother created? So I'm just taking a breath because there's a lot in that question in the sense that, you know, can I pick any one thing, right? It's a, that's a, that's a very big, that's a very big topic in my life, Ray and his mom. Right. Yeah. So, so I took a breath there for a moment and I connected to my mom, the truth of who she is. I connected into myself and the truth of who I am. And I think if there's one centerpiece takeaway, it's that I absolutely got the experience that I needed to have. And it is true that we choose our family. You know, people are like, I wish I could choose my family. Ah, uh, you did. Uh, from, a very, from a very high, what they call soul level place before we're incarnated again. And before we, you know, we're in that 48 day cycle. It's not just a review of what was, it's a review of what is to be. <laughs> 
And it's, it's like, okay, so, oh, I missed the boat with that stuff. <laughs> okay, who can I pick here in the ethers that's going to give me the experience that gives me the greatest chance to get it right? So if you do this right, the way it was described to me years ago was as follows. We pick our mother and we approach her and we say, hi, will you be my mom? Mm. And she says, uh, yes, sweetheart, I would love to be your mother, but before you agree to this soul contract, let me show you who your father is going to be. Let me show you who your siblings and family members are going to be. And if you know what you're doing, this, excuse my French for a moment, but this is how it was described to me. Okay. If you know what you're doing on any level, you're going to go, oh my God, I want the most fucked up situation that I could possibly find. So as to give me the greatest opportunity to be polished out in this tumbler because you know it's not so much that way there's no such thing as a perfect diamond mm. they all have inclusions in them but when you polish the diamond when you cut the diamond and then polish it some more you're bringing forth its brilliance despite its imperfections and so I think that's the greatest thing that my brother, my brother, ah, Freudian slip, maybe my that my mother brought out in me mm. with with my extended family and my brothers and so on and so forth, which was the Freudian slip. I think she set up a scenario for me, or I set up a scenario with myself in the form of my mother to bring forward an, op an opportunity. I mean, I was told, I was flat out told by the teacher that if I hadn't chosen the spiritual path in this lifetime, when I was given the opportunity at 33, I would have been dead at 43. So that begs another question for another podcast, which is, wait a minute, is he saying that he made a karmic choice to change his contract? Hmm. Yes, because when the teacher met me, the teacher, Derek, when he met me, he can see in everybody's aura the date and time of their death. He's been able to do that since the age of three or four years old. And so very scary for a young boy, Derek, to be able to know when, you know, M Mr. O'Gorman next door was going to pass away. And of yeah. course, he would tell his mother and his mother would slap him because children are to be seen and not heard. <laughs> and so with my mother, she gave me the best of both worlds. She showed me that when genuine love is present and she could be that when she was on and she wasn't mentally unstable, yeah. I could feel that love. And she planted a deep seed of that love. Five minutes later, when she was shaking me and beating me and yelling and screaming at me for hours, sometimes seven, eight hours on end. When when that would occur, 
it would confuse me, but the seed was planted of true love. So she gave me the opportunity to rediscover what I would consider my own chalice. You know, we we were chasing Christ's chalice. You know, we're we're chasing the Christ consciousness and and this this sacred chalice. And it's really within us. It's always been there. And that's the greatest gift that I think she gave me was she set up this journey to get me on this podcast with you today. So in that in that respect, I think a version of me had to die, which was the victim, mm. in order for me to step into an empowerment that I could utilize to serve humanity as best I can. And don't get me wrong, we all still have moments of feeling victimized and feeling like the victim and wanting to give up, especially when the going gets tough. It's much easier to go to a known, oh, this is never going to work out for me. I'm never going to have the money to do what I need to do. I'm never going to, of course, those are the, that's, those are the moments that these moments are, are attempting to break. These moments of truth are attempting to break those moments of untruth. And it's a constant battle. And so that's why the Buddhists say, the Buddhists, they say it's the middle path because you don't want to buy in too much when someone says you're the best thing since sliced bread. And you certainly don't want to buy in when someone says you're the worst thing, you're Satan's best friend. You know, you don't want to buy into either of those. You want to come here because this is your greatest opportunity to polish out that diamond. So I think that's what my mother, that's, that's the... If I was going to write a book about me and my mother, that would be the ending. The ending would be, if I could have seen the end from the beginning, I could have suffered a lot less. So. Thank you. Yeah. Yes. You're welcome. That's a very powerful, powerful answer to the question. And especially the relationship between boys and their mothers. Um. <laughs> I think it's also a different topic, but it's very, very powerful and it's very transformative, painful, but also it comes, not but, it comes with so much love and so many lessons and so much errors and trials in regards to outer relationships. But what you said in regards to that you understood when you zoom out in a broader way that you actually was being shown the two worlds that we have within, like on one point, the unconditional love and the seed and also an understanding what is unconditional love that your mother gave to you, but also the other, the other world of the abuse of the pain of the suffering. It's a very powerful metaphor that everything what we have within the duality the the bringing those darker aspects to the light and merging with together darker lighter it's not lost on me that with this lighting situation over here yes. that it's showing both, both sides it's the 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 challenge is choosing this yes choosing the light that it is said and i'm not sure who it was that said this uh but it is said that the 
okay, the wholeness of dark exists in every light. Mm-hmm. But a drop of light exists in every dark. In every dark. And yes. so, you know, it's it's uh, sometimes it's rare that I go to this place, but in a situation like in an interview like this, I might, I might, it might dawn on me again. If somebody like Derek chose his dark side, how many people on the planet would suffer? Because he holds that much light. And so if, if he chose to go dark, what would that mean for the rest of the planet? Because I know what his light is doing for the rest of the planet. Most people will never know what his light is doing for the rest of the planet. I have a fraction of an understanding of what his light is doing for the planet. He's the he's the type of person that in I, I believe it was 2011 or 13 when the Icelandic volcano went off in Reykjavik. 2 weeks before those that volcano exploded that was the the eruptions where it grounded all the airplanes all over the world because the smoke and the ash was so thick that the airplanes mm-hmm. couldn't fly. And um, two weeks prior to that happening, he was in meditation. And he was told, go to Reykjavik, Iceland. So he did. Having no idea why. He said to spirit, should I know why? And they said, we'll tell you when you get there. So he went there and every day he was meditating. Should I leave today? Should I leave today? Should I leave today? And then eventually the volcano blew. And he said that when the volcano blew, spirit told him, you're here so that the second one does not blow. Because if the second volcano blows, there's something called ley lines all over the planet, energetic points that are like meridians, like with the earring thing that I explained earlier in the body, the planet has meridians. The planet has these these power points. And if the second volcano exploded, something in the United States called Yellowstone National Park would have been a sinkhole. The entire park would have imploded and it would have gone underground and it would have become an enormous sinkhole. That's why spirit called a being that could hear it into service to sit for two weeks at the base of a volcano, a volcanic chain so that it didn't set off an additional chain of events. Yeah. So he chooses the light. He chooses the light and doesn't allow this. The only difference between a teacher and a student, a real teacher and a student, the only difference, they have the same thoughts and emotions that run through both their beings. The only difference is that the teacher allows the emotions to rise and fall and move through. The student lets them stick. Hmm. That is the only difference. And so a student teacher is someone who is on their way, perhaps in some lifetime, of getting to the teacher role, Hmm. which is a whole other set of circumstances and karma and dharma of receiving students' projections. How lucky are they? <laughs> you know, so it's like it, it's like we all have this, this is a great place to end this call, which is we all have the equal opportunity to choose the dark or the light. 
what we choose is what our next reality looks like. So we can't pay the bills and, and we're, we're worrying about money. If you go further and further into how could you, I always ask for your help and you never, that's just going to perpetuate not having more money. So if you choose instead, okay, show me what's next. Or, or I know what's next because I'm the creator. I'm going to create abundance. But that's that's a very elevated place to be, at least being co-creator. There's victim, co-creator, and creator. Victim is, you always do this to me. Co-creator is like, all right, look, I don't have the money for the bills. I'm not sure why you're doing this, but can you help me get the money for the bills? That's co-creator. Creator is like, F this. I'm not doing this anymore. I'm creating something different. I love myself. I love you. And, and I know that you're in here and I'm in there. So let's just do this and create something where you turn towards the light. Your next reality will be based on that. So your next reality is always one choice away. So what I get out of our conversation today, which was very, very deep healing and raw. So I, I want to thank you for that, to really like, to really make the statement that thank you for being so open and thank you for being this this transparent because I know that it is very healing and very supportive and wherever we are on our journey at whatever stage we are on our journey to have the kind of mm, confirmation for our ego sometimes that we are not in it alone but also for our heart and and because we can relate it helps us to understand and it helps us to bring forward our misconception of certain emotions that we are still feel um within mm -hmm. so we can actually like let them move through our system in order to release them and in order to to really transform them um and that's what that's what the conversation did and does and i attend what it will do in the future and further on to really like have the knowledge but also the feeling of yes i am not here in this alone and i have guidance and i have support and i have it within my heart and within my truth that i am now learning to find out what my truth is to actually like see my life and the choices in a whole different light because i choose the light when i'm aware of my darkness that i am aware of my power that i can decide and what i actually get out of our conversation today is that karma is there the first breath we take when we actually like come here we are in karma but karma is also for us to decide its direction and when we are aware of that And a brilliant teacher said this once, we're actually moving with grace and with faith through it and not with despair or fear.
is there anything is there anything else that you would like to say before we're closing out this portal i feel <laughs> yes actually um <clears throat> um i have a question for you if that's okay yes shoot <laughs> so you were you were thanking me for being vulnerable and transparent and um just about halfway through our call today this podcast you became emotional while listening to my story why you were speaking about the truth and that we can feel when it resonates within and it also heals something within and it heals not the fact actually that i can empathize with you because i did not lose my mother in the dentist chair but i empathize with you and the story because i know that the truth that you found out because of your karma and because of your choices and because of whatever you needed to work through that you're now sitting here and are able to channel or able to know able to bring forward those deep wisdom that it helps to heal the misconception of reality in our hearts because it connects us deeper to our truth and it connects us deeper to our wisdom in our heart and that's the reason why i i got emotional and why i also cried because i could feel the vibration and i could just feel the love and i could just feel the truth and the wisdom but also the liberation within me because it's very freeing to actually like hear an understanding of where some of our traumas come from but it's also very freeing to also hear how we can move through them and also see what awaits us when we actually like push through the door and this pushing through the door comes with a lot of fears comes with a lot of errors and trials but it, it's actually like the most liberating and freeing thing for our heart and it connected me to this feeling okay so <clears throat> thank you very much for sharing that and answering that question because what's super important about this work that you and I are sharing not just today but what we do in the world what we facilitate in the world we do us and if someone else gets it because we're doing us well then that's great <laughs> because we are light workers who have been called to service in this way we put ourselves out there our job is not to interfere our job is to be there should someone come calling oftentimes most often it's ourselves that come calling to ourselves today for me the theme has been you asked if there's something else that i want to tell your audience the the theme has been karma and dharma death and transition um backstory and how we move through these these very challenging things and and we've been scratching the surface of these things today there's there's a lot here the yeah. the, the depth that's here 
cannot be conveyed with words, but it was felt by you. And that was what I wanted to kind of touch on. It was felt by you. My hope is that, you know, someone asked me, Ray, if you knew everything you'd have to go through in your life to get here, would you do it again? And there's a part of me that wants to go, hell no. And then, but then the other part of me is going, well, look at Bella. You know, she if she says she's benefiting from your suffering, then wasn't it worth it? Yes. When I look at my own children, they're definitely benefiting from my suffering in the sense that perhaps the family lineage, which is another podcast, the <laughs> family lineage can be broken by someone choosing to face the devil and end the game mm. within the family dynamic so it doesn't keep getting passed down through the generations. And then you can have a conscious discussion with your kids, right? And the kids, these kids that are waking us up, you know? And so <clears throat> I would say, you know, I, I don't know how you do your intros and your outros, uh, but I will just, I'll say this. I would on, I wanted to end with a statement that you'll have to dig into to see where the truth lies in it for you. And then a place to find more help on this topic. Okay. So your karma is your dharma. Your dharma is your karma. As my teacher would say, step out of the drama, deal with the karma, and step into your dharma. And there is a call that I that I facilitate on Tuesday evenings called the Road to Victory. And there was a topic a few months back that we did, maybe last year, maybe. Um, it's a four-week, the Road to Victory is a four-week journey with myself and a group of people live on Zoom every Tuesday evening and 7 o'clock Eastern for an hour and a half. And there was one theme that we did that was called From Karma to Dharma. Mm. And that is still available. The recordings, the audio recordings of that are still available for people. And if they want them, you know, they can reach out to uh, myself and my wife who run this wellness center together called Elevate Well. Um, the website there is elevate-well.com. And then I have a membership website where I put videos about these topics every month in. And then if someone chooses to do the, the higher level of membership, they can also meet with me, you know, one-on-one. -on -one, oh, sorry, one-on group uh, live on Zoom once a month and receive the videos that I'm posting in membership every month. And that website has my namesake, which is rayrolando.com. And so those would be the two places that I would probably start to send people and then if they had questions about death and dying, I would probably um, share with them a document that you and I have talked about called How to Help People Through Death and Dying, mm -hmm. which my teacher, Derek O'Neill, who frankly, uh, not that I want to pedestalize him, but I will say that as his colleague, I just owe him a debt of gratitude for what he's been able to show me because I was willing, but he will never interfere or try to bring me somewhere that I'm not ready to go. And so this work will only ever take you as far as you're willing to go. And it will never take you further because that would be counterintuitive to the process of awakening. And so it has been my absolute honor and pleasure to be here with you. 
Um, I would love to do it again. If, if you think it would serve your community, um, let me know and we'll figure it out. And I just want to thank you, Bella, for being the light in the world that you are, because, you know, it's very, very, very important that people understand that to be in Bella's position is not easy. And to, to, to do this work in the world and be the example, it requires an enormous amount of patience and an enormous amount of self-compassion and love to be willing to carry the torch that maybe someone else will choose to take from you if it's their time. And it's not, it's not without, you know, my eyes seeing who you really are to know why I had to be here on this call today. So, so I thank you for giving me the spot to talk to your audience and I hope it helps somebody today. You know, that's the, that's the goal. And if it did, then my goodness, how could I ever say no? Thank you, Ray. Thank you. And also thank you for, for, um, putting like, I will, I will link everything in my description box so people can see it, you know, can directly go Great. to your link. Um, because it's so, it's so valuable and it's so, it just really, it's so valuable because on one point in your life, your soul asks for more and it knows that there is more, but it does not have, or it has, it has the right tools, but it's on you to be able to actually like allow them into your life and allow certain people into your life when you're ready for it. And thank you for doing those calls and having those important and really very valuable scripts out there and videos out there. And I also thank you from the bottom of my heart for today's episode and that you came here and shared your love with us. Um, I don't think that if I told spirit I was going to be somewhere else, that spirit would have allowed it. <laughs> so I think that <laughs> I think it's a perfect setup. And um, and from the bottom of my heart, you're welcome. Um, you're welcome. You are welcome in my space. You are welcome in my heart, and you are welcome to help yourself with you know that work. And I have seen. For for anyone that is wondering how long Bella and I have known each other, um, it's it's about a year and a half, maybe two years at this point. Um, mm -hmm. We met during the pandemic, um, a very interesting route. Uh, so if it seems like we've known each other for lifetimes, that's a true statement. Um, and you know, I will simply say, in the short time that I've known her in this lifetime, the shift I've already seen in her which has got nothing to do with me, except the fact that perhaps I hold and mirror a space for her that she chooses to step into um, is enormous. And so she's a walking, living, breathing example of what doing the work uh, is. And when you hear that calling, what it, what it does for you, uh, it zooms your spirit. <laughs> so I, I, I thank you for being the, the emissary of light that spirit has, you know, called forth in you to be because when we don't answer that call it begs the question how many souls could have been helped had we 
you know, so anyway, um, thank you for holding the space today and for uh, and for creating it for us to do this. And, you know, let's see, let's see what the response is like. And if people would love to have uh, us talking again, well, then then the uh, power to the people, I guess. Power to the people. I love that. <laughs> thank you, Ray. <laughs> thank you, Ray. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome, Bella. <laughs> <laughs>